Rangers, welcome to the Sentai Truther Club. I am your host, Grav, and with me is my dashing co-host, Kennedy. Yo! And guess who I've got? I've got Babushka. I've got little <laughs> Babushka. I've got Babs. I've got cowgirl <laughs> underscore B with two E's. Bop here. Welcome to the show, Babs. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so, Babs, what is your experience with Power Rangers? Almost none. And so I feel like this is either going to go very well or very poorly. So I learned a lot <laughs> while watching some stuff today, but uh, almost none. I think growing up, I was like really into dinosaurs. So like I didn't I kind of missed the Power Ranger obsession. That's wild because the Power Rangers were all about the dinosaurs. Yeah, but like I was watching like cartoon dinosaurs like Land Before Time and stuff like that. I don't know. Ah. Did your parents let you watch uh, Pokemon? Yes, they did. And so I was big Pokemon person too. Charmander? So like, no, I was Bulbasaur. I love Bulbasaur. I, st I still stand Bulbasaur and Eevee. I, my first starter I ever picked was Bulbasaur, I will admit. And then uh, I think ever since I saw the episode with Charmander in it, I was like, ah, I'm a Charmander stan. Till the end of days, <laughs> I'm a Charmander stan. Well, was a, Pika, a, a Pikachu stand, but I feel like everyone had like their like side ones that they loved. I feel like no one liked Squirtle. Squirtle got like what? the short end of just... the popularity stick. Hey, I'm repping Squirtle right now. <laughs> I feel like all, if you I were an Pokemon older millennial, Blue. you 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 had you were the Squirtle stand. Like my cousin Angel, well, who was two years older than me, was also a Squirtle stand. Some of my friends that were my age weren't with me, but it was there was definitely a divide in whether you bought Pokemon Blue or Red. That was a huge deal. And like, it was a very divisive issue. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. So like my cousin had Pokemon Red and I had Pokemon Red. And that was the last time we ever bought the same version. <laughs> <laughs> I got silver. He got gold. I got uh, I, Sapphire. I he got I Ruby. Had I, I had Ruby too. Yeah, I was definitely a Lugia guy. Still am. I still think Pokemon 2000 is one of the... Probably the top two Pokemon movies. Yeah, that was a good one. That was a really good one. Pokemon was, like, really genuinely, like, good. And, like, still, like, yeah. there's, like, good, like, merits to it, I would say, to, like, this day, honestly. If you're, like, looking for something, like, I don't know, if you're, like, really stoned or something like that, and, like, you just, like, want something that's, like, nonsensical, it's it's good for that. I really don't Holy like stone. Ash's voice actor. I think that's my main hesitation of ever going back to the old Pokemon stuff. Also, I just know it's not as good as I would remember it. So, you know, just keep yeah. those memories in the past, you know, let them lay. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike Power Rangers, where we're dredging. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but Power Rangers is eternal, you see. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> um, I mean, mostly there, there's been some misses. There's been some misses. And I think we're a little divided on this and i'll be interested to hear where babs falls between grav and i okay. on the beginning of zeo right so uh, <laughs> to clarify for this episode of the podcast uh normally we do the intro arc and yes for this particular season of power rangers there was a couple of i guess adverts that were running on the television show because in between season three and Zio, 
there was a point in time where no episode of Power Rangers was getting no new episode of Power Rangers was getting broadcast. They would release teasers that would essentially tease Power Rangers Zeo and like end up, you know, revealing the new costumes and the new intro. And what did you guys think about the Zeo serial? It was very confusing at first as someone who has like no memory of this. And then I kind of got it. It seemed just kind of like quirky little baby shorts. And I like that one girl's voice a lot. <laughs> Which one girl's voice? The, she's like the, 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 the horn, the horn bitch. Ah, okay. I, her name is escaping me now, but I, I really, I, I like that, that kind of like villainy voice aspect of it. I thought, I thought that was good. Are you talking, talking about, about Rita? Rita? Yes, I am. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, she. So basically, for that character, the real life actress exited the show because they were done filming for that season of Super Sentai. So mm -hmm. I'm. I don't know if you know this, but they use Japanese footage that they then add in like Americanized footage in there to create the Power Rangers. But it's it's all based off the Super Sentai Japanese TV show. And oh, so the okay. original actress that played Rita had already left you know, Super Sentai and everything. And what they ended up doing for the American version, because the audiences loved Rita so much, they introduced this young actress to take her role through like, and like has a whole story behind it and everything in the actual Power Rangers show of how it happened. Um, but uh, yeah, so what they did was they had the original voice actor who dubbed over the Japanese footage dub over the American actor that they got. <laughs> This just sounds like it's increasingly messy. <laughs> oh, it's definitely a messy show, but I love it. Like, I think I think this change that they did for Rita, where they brought her character back and introduced this new actress, that actress you'll see on screen, she's having a ball. Every time she's Very acting, animated. she's just like overacting and she's loving it. She's having a lot of fun. I think the Good. one thing I know very like about this show is that there was a ton of drama with like the directors or something like that. I know that there was like huge fights or something like that and like bankruptcy. That's like kind of the only thing I vaguely have information about this. So Saban went, uh, I think Saban went bankrupt recently. There was a whole big hubbub around the early 2000s where Saban gave up Power Rangers to Disney. Disney ended up producing some of the best seasons of the show as well. And then Saban got the rights back. And then we got into like this Neo Saban era. And then uh, now Bandai, I think it's Bandai Namco and Hasbro, I believe, own the Power Rangers now. Ah, okay. Yeah. So, and gotcha. right now they're like, they basically release plans like this is going to be the new Transformers is what they're trying to do. They're like, okay, we're going to make a new Power Rangers movie, a new Power Rangers TV show, and a new Power, Power Rangers animated series on top of two new comics. Let's go. So, Jeez, they're, they're, they're working hard. Good for them. Yeah, I mean, hey, more Power Rangers means more podcast episodes, right? <laughs> <laughs> means we could keep making this show forever. Yeah. It never ends. <laughs> We're trapped. I mean, we're 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 set. What am I trying to say? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I I told Kennedy I'm perfectly fine with this Power Rangers podcast being my magnum opus <laughs> <laughs> to the podcasting world. Kennedy, what was your Stop. thoughts on the Zio serial? It's really interesting. It felt 
tonally a little off, but in a way that I liked. <laughs> like it had this like X Files vibe or something to it, with all these like government officials, you know, whispering and news reports and people seeing things in the sky. Bulk and Skull investigating was like the most normal thing, you know, that kind of like brought it back to like feeling like the Power Rangers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I think one of the coolest parts about it, though, there was a moment where Bulked Skull was calling their boss, which was, uh, what is it, uh, Lieutenant Stone? Yeah. Called Lieutenant Stone a slave driver, and I was like, holy shit, guys. <laughs> Progressive for 1996. <laughs> this is like that, that like... That like almost getting it meme, you know, like when a conservative posts something that's like almost a woke take. Yeah. Like, you know? See the like, progressives all being cops, but like shitting on the lieutenant. See if you're in if you're in the mindset of a progressive, that means you think that human life is more valuable than property, and you see. <laughs> I shit you not. This is like an our conservatives post. It was a comment, and I'm like, yeah. Do you guys not see? How do you guys not understand? But yeah, this like, is, I, I'm not going to lie. probably includes Bulk and Skull, but it definitely includes Lieutenant Skull. Lieutenant, <laughs> Lieutenant Stone. Stone. It's yeah, not yeah, yeah. question. A thousand percent. The, the weirdest part about the serial is that I wasn't expecting it to be good. Like I thought it was literally going to be like, like 20 people come up on the screen one by one in one minute segments going... What? What is that? You know, like and just getting like everybody's reactions, kind of like the Zords uh getting like thrown into the lava, and you see Kimberly going no, like that sort of thing. But it's everybody doing the soy face. <laughs> I think the power move here was not featuring the Rangers very much. You know, yes, like keep keeping yeah. it. To where you only see the rangers basically at the very end of the serial like that made it have a lot more mystique i think one of the things that the power rangers succeeded at more so than a lot of other shows of its time was bridging the gap between having characters that were kind of 90s cool and relatable but still had a little bit of actual superhero mystique because i think a lot of the like super cool relatable 90s heroes didn't have any mystique at all just showing all this other stuff and hiding the rangers from us in the serial it was like where are the rangers i don't know i thought that was honestly really brilliant yeah i i agree i i think this is one i don't know who directed this but i will say i prefer the serial over episode one <laughs> <laughs> Like, I, I was really amazed at the end of the day by that serial because it almost felt like, what was it, that H.G. Wells? No, I know you're what you're talking, talking about, about um, but I, no, um, yeah, the name's escaping me right now. War of the Worlds. Oh. Yes, thank Yeah, you. it had, like, yeah. towards the... So, like, the serial felt like War of the Worlds mixed with X-Files mixed with, like, Power Rangers. It was really weird, and for some reason it worked. I liked it a lot. Yeah. I think that there is like I mean War of the Worlds also caused like a huge panic across the nation which is also just kind of based but like <laughs> That's right the radio show did cause a panic around the nation like yeah that people think fake news is bad now 
gosh can you imagine like turning on like like the only like like news that like you probably had access to for like a like miles and it's like the alien machines are coming down they're crashing like i would freak the fuck out <laughs> now i know what you listeners might be thinking huh this episode of sensei truther club is oddly more political than the other episodes <laughs> and that's because a cowgirl bebop over here babs is from her podcast uh, is Radio Free Labor, excellent political podcast that I listen to every week. And oh, also, <laughs> this has to be the most political intro to mm -hmm. a season of Power Rangers, I feel like. Without a doubt. Right? Well, even later at some of at one of one of the parts, there was something I kind of noticed that seemed like it was almost like a little bit of like a class struggle. But then again, I'm just like viewing things way too politically all the time. But like... <laughs> I mean, politics is everywhere, baby. Even then, the Zero Serial kind of has, like, a a little bit of, like, political intrigue because we're seeing, like, government agents discover an alien invasion. Yeah. And they're, like, having to deal with the press. And it's it's funny, right? Because you have these scientists or whatever that feel like they're in Kansas of some sort, right? There's, like, an observatory that's <laughs> in a farmland. And, or, like, an FBI agent comes up to the, the scientist and the serial and is like, what what's going on there's interference going on and then she's like oh look look through the telescope and uh, they see like the alien ships coming to earth and everybody's like no the the power rangers haven't been seen it's it's wild it's absolutely wild and i i love it i i, I actually like i think the more i linger on the serial specifically the more i'm like man what a good teaser that's only like the only downsides to it i feel like are the fact that they were just the inherent nature of them, right? The fact that they are teasers rather than like a full episode. And basically what someone did was is they, I guess one of the editors for one of the, I guess the Zeo DVDs, uh, just put them all together for someone's viewing pleasure. And so like, I, I don't know, I was thoroughly impressed. But um, I mean, what were you guys' final thoughts about the serial? Definitely made me wish that they would maybe, you know, make a Power Rangers where you don't actually see the Rangers all the time and you see more like implications like because that was very cool. The backstory um, was 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 like pretty, pretty helpful for me as someone who was like a little bit like new to this kind of thing as well. Like I, I did enjoy that as well, because like, I mean, when you think Power Rangers, like as if you don't know a ton about Power Rangers, you just assume it's like just following them around. And I thought that was that was kind of interesting. OK. Yeah. And now, I was going to give a critique, though. What's the critique? These people are all acting super, like, confused and sussed out about this Machine King situation. And, like, it's like a whole, like, scandal and a big deal. And, like, a giant monster has landed on your planet every week for three years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's pretty true. <laughs> like... I felt like, like, even like there have been scenes where they're at the juice bar and there's like the scenes of like destruction on the news or like one time they showed Rita Repulsa on the news, I think, unless I'm like just getting way mixed up. I kind of recall this from season one or two. It just seemed kind of weird that like, although that this was like a very good storyline, it did seem a little like, where is this coming from, though? How do these people not know that aliens exist? I think my biggest thing about the CO serial was the lead up to episode one was pretty great. And the, the fact that the the Zeo prologue finished with the introduction to Power Rangers Zero, Zeo, I can tell you right now, if I was a kid who's 
actively a Power Rangers fan, bro, yo, like I would yeah. straight up be all over that shit. Like that I, that's like really. a pogged moment, especially since the Zeo intro at the very end of the serial. What did you guys think? That that intro, man, is pretty good. I yeah, the Zeo intro is like I think it's one of the hottest songs we've heard so far, for right. sure. Yeah. yeah. And that's saying something because like we've heard some hot tracks reviewing <laughs> uh Power Rangers thus far, like the Tangas theme song. You know, we couldn't stop talking about that during the last season reviews, but it reminds me like of a very specific time in my life, like watching TV on Saturday morning, like just that sound kind of just, I was just like, oh yeah, like this is a vibe. Like I remember this vibe. <laughs> it's a nice vibe. I love it's a it. Good vibe. I got to say to me, it reminds me of that era. You remember that era of rap music? I know, right? I'm talking to two white people about this. Remember that era of rap music where you would download shit on LimeWire? People would just consistently always download the remixes of songs versus the original. And yeah, yeah. this was yes. this definitely felt like that. It was yes. like, go, go, Power Rangers remix. <laughs> Stronger than before. You know, like that shit, it, it felt very like, this, this is, is the, the fucking remix, where... boys. Let's go. This is the one, though, where instead of being like, damn it, I got the, I downloaded the wrong thing. And you're like, actually, this is fire. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like ah, yes, I too one. remember R. Kelly's Ignition remix way better than the original. <laughs> no, what, there's an original. What are you talking about? <laughs> I just had to think about that. And I was like, I mean, I guess there has to be an original, but who has ever listened to the original? No, I, I thought he just put remix in the name as an ironic bit. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> what a great bit. What a great bit. <laughs> All right. So we start off with a zeal beginning part one. Kennedy, what happens here? Tommy kind of like gives us the flashback summation. Basically, it, that kind of just recaps, you know, that like, the, the command center was destroyed. They don't really know what's going on. Goldar and Rito were trying to steal the Zeo crystal. Things were bad at the end of where we left off. But then, meanwhile, we go up to the Moon Palace, and, like, the serial has already been hinting. The Machine King is arriving, and, like, pretty quickly, Lord Zed and Rita Repulsa, like, go from celebrating their victory over the Power Rangers to, They're like, doing a deciding... Conga line. Oh yeah. Yeah, they're literally like dancing and she's, like she's she's like turning the fuck up and she's like, get the fuck away from me. Let me enjoy every moment of this. And I was like, you know what? Go for her. Like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she was definitely she was like in maximum bitch don't kill my vibe mode. Yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> But the Machine King is a major vibe killer. Yeah, I was going to say, just to have her vibe very quickly ended, very, very abruptly. So they're trying to figure out what to do. The Rangers are trying to figure out what to do in their own world. They're like going through the rubble of the command center um, and they spot a glowing object. And it turns out it's the Zeo Crystal. Apparently, Goldar and Rito did not make it out with it in the blast. So um, I will say... They keep saying implosion device and that it's it's it was an implosion. <laughs> and at first I'm like, guys, guys, just call it what it is. It's a bomb. But then I'm realizing, oh right, 
Power Rangers was one of like the pioneers. Like Power Rangers was controversial for being an action show that was made for kids. Yes. So like, I'm sure that if they had said bomb, they would be getting letters from parents all around. In later seasons, it appears they're finally allowed to say bomb, but I guess they had to work up to it. What year <laughs> yeah, was this like, again, This is an too? impulsive device. This is uh, 1996, I believe. Okay, yeah. Okay. I, I was going to say, if it was after 2001, they definitely would not be allowed to say that. <laughs> yeah, no, there's like a period where they say bomb a lot. We'll talk about this more when we get there, because I actually, I remember this clearly, and I, I, I think about it more than I should. Um, there's this period where they say bomb a lot, actually. Because there's this season where they're very obsessed with bombs. Then uh, after 2001, they kind of stop leaning on that for some reason. Poggy. I like it. <laughs> like the, the, the fact that they like said this is an implosive device to like not get in trouble by parents. Because the parents would be like, hey, that's clearly a bomb. They'd be like, no, bombs do explosions. This thing does an implosion. <laughs> This is a hypothetical science fiction device, you see. Yes, Power Rangers is a sci-fi action kids TV show. <laughs> <laughs> so they find this Zeo crystal and then like they pull it out of the ground and then like the ground collapses and they all like go down into the collapsing ground and it's very dramatic. And then um Can I just say I I yeah. actually like for bad CGI, I don't mind it. No, it was fine. It was fine. It was good, actually, I thought. Yeah. Like, um, I, it's clear that they use the green screen and all that other jazz. And, you know, the computer effects are very apparent. But also, like, I don't know. It, it's charming when they use CGI like that. I, I, I guess. Maybe I'm crazy. I, I thought, no, I thought they did a good job. What did you think, Babs? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it, it seemed very much like CGI of the time. So, but like, you know, I didn't think it was like, you know, horrible. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like one of those things that I feel like CGI back then was very different than like what we think of it as now. You know what I mean? Definitely. But it definitely felt like relatively tasteful, whereas like you can yeah, watch yeah. It, stuff. It, it wasn't like a very aggressive movie where I was like, what the fuck? Like, you know what right. I mean? It, it, like, it, it, it matched with like the rest of the show. Like... Agreed. Yeah, we cut back. No, yeah, we do cut back to Lord Zed next, and it's it's clear. So, like at this point, the Machine King's flying machines are bombarding the palace. It's clear that they need to go, so they they start <laughs> making plans to leave. <laughs> and this is actually this is one of those things I, I you know that I always love, and this is both to you, Grav, and to the listener. You know that I always love like the drama of the um the world of the villains so the fact that like rita and zed were being supplanted by this obviously much superior force at the start of this season i was super here for although some of the, the scenes kind of drug out and were unnecessary i was overall very here for the the plot of like rita and zed freaking out about this having their weird like interpersonal meltdown yeah that's the, like, that's what i liked was was the weird <laughs> dynamic there <laughs> like because i feel like I, it reminded me of like one of those things where like you can like you have two friends that are dating or like that are like really close and you see them kind of just like acting weird and like kind of having like their own different meltdowns and then like lashing out at each other and like you're in the same room and can't really do anything about it reminded me a little bit of that <laughs> yeah definitely and and the villains mention, hey, what about Rito and Goldar? 
And both Rita and Zed are both like, fuck them. <laughs> we have to get out of here. Fuck that. Like, we're villains. We don't go back for a missing person. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, so, so they take off. They're trying to and, find an escape route as uh, the Machine King bombards their base with like rays and shit like that. Yeah, it's pretty intense. And and they're talking about the Machine King in like very scary terms. You know, like I think I think that they even say like he's more evil than us or something like that at one point. And I was just like, "Oh, okay. okay. So like you guys are aware of your own evilness and yet can like define it based upon like certain aspects? Like what what's your like 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 how are you leveling this? I want to know." They so Zed and their crew, they follow the Geneva Convention. Okay. The Machine King doesn't. <laughs> that that's the um, difference. Zed, Zed and crew are are still mildly neolib. Yeah. <laughs> it's Zed Zed is Biden. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and he's he's up there and he's saying, vote for me. I'm a little less evil than the Machine King, aka Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, there is some interesting political parallel. So I, I think I've like I've said stated before in this podcast episode, this is one of the few times that I feel like it almost reminds me of Gundam Wing with like yeah, the fact that it, it gets that oddly political. And I will <laughs> say this episode moves very slow for a show that's only about 20 minutes long. The, the episodes move kind of slow, man. There's definitely some parts where they drag in particular. Yeah. Speaking of Rito and Goldar, Rito and Goldar end up in a suburban neighborhood uh, with amnesia. I guess God was like, I'm going to give these two a second chance at life. I thought this part was really funny and cute, I will say. I, I actually like really enjoyed this. As much as these scenes were kind of like drug out and were a little bit goofy, you have to definitely at times remember that this is a kid's show and from that perspective i thought that this was like you know this was like a solid introduction of a new comedic element for this season yeah and we get treated to a bulk and skull scene that i guess further deepens kennedy's conspiracy <laughs> theory that bulk is a rich fail son <laughs> <laughs> and so Bulk is judging Skull over the well, fact let really, that... Let me really describe this, actually. Okay, go ahead. Skull is like, hey, Bulk, I got us a cool thing. I have, like, a present for us, basically, you know? And Bulk's like, oh, okay. And from the beginning, he's a little underimpressed, which is typical rich kid shit, you know? <laughs> like, oh, a present. I get presents every day. Whatever. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, like he's being offered a free vehicle and the man uh, is being snooty about it. And then, yeah, so, so Skull, Skull's like, look, I got us this motorcycle and sidecar and whips off this tarp in the garage. That was definitely the set that was like somebody else's garage a couple seasons ago. We'll ignore that. Anyway, um, <laughs> Skull, Skull logged into Reddit.com that night and went on to r slash choosing beggars. And I was like, you'd never believe this. <laughs> yeah, like, so he whips out this motorcycle and sidecar. And yeah, it's a little dusty. It's a little grimy. It's a little rusty. But it doesn't look like it's in that bad of shape. It just looks like, all right, needs a little bit of work. Looks fine, basically. And Bulk's like, 
just immediately like Bleh, whatever like he doesn't even react and i was like okay that's a you can't tell me this isn't a rich kid yeah i could see that <laughs> especially because the other guy is so stoked about it too and his like face like lights up and it's just like he instantly kills his 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 buddy's vibe with his just like negativity about something like yeah i i i i can see the fail something we then cut back to uh, Rita and Zed, and they're basically been having a fight about where they're going to go. Because if the Machine King is more evil than them, which I'm going to say it like this, I'm just going to say that the difference between the Machine King and Zed, obviously that this is a kid's show, so they have to say more evil, rather than like, oh, they just have a gigantic army compared to ours, so we're outmatched here. We got to go. <laughs> Rita proposes that they go to live with her father. And oh, yeah, that was fun. We've experienced now two seasons of, or one and a half seasons of like Zed just like absolutely hating Rita's family, just like in general, and not so much really enduring uh, Rita as well. But we've also been through like a huge arc where Zed's like, yes, finally, I can escape your father. And be able to conquer the Power Rangers on my own. And all this other stuff. Puts up a pout, but ultimately they go. But that's not before there's some political choice words being set towards their father, towards Rita's father. <laughs> I believe Zed called Rita's dad Mr. Vile. or Do I think it's Mr. Vile or Dr. Vile. A decadent dictator. <laughs> and I'm just like... Homie, my man's drank the whole CIA Kool-Aid. <laughs> but I'm like, bro, what are you then? I'm confused here. What, what's going on? How is one person more of a dictator than them? And it's also establishing power levels as well. Because Mr. Vile also says, hey, by the way, the Machine King is actually more evil than me. And Mr. Vile is already, like, more powerful than Zed. It's why Zed couldn't get one over Mr. Vile. Master Vile. Master Vile, excuse me. Master Vile. Couldn't get one over Master Vile. And this was very interesting. Because I'm just like, what, what is the politics of this show, right? Because we, we get shown some scenes in this part one of the Machine King and his mm -hmm. wife, or the Machine Queen, I suppose. And, and their son, their yeah. shitty son, and their shitty son. Oh yeah, their 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 little tiny like toddler child that's like just a nightmare. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> and the machine king's all like Trump Junior. There. Yeah, the the machine king's all like, oh man, we uh, can't wait to conquer Earth. It's just begging to have its resources stripped. It's oddly supremely imperialistic. Like Zed, Master Vile. All of these people just talk about conquering. But with Machine King, it's explicitly, oh, yeah, we're going to take over this galaxy and exploit its resources. We're going to extract all the fucking resources. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, wow, okay. I didn't know the British Empire was alive. <laughs> <laughs> the sun never set on the British Empire. <laughs> and so we make our way onto... The East uh, India Machine Trading Company. <laughs> we, we, we make our way back to the Rangers who have finally found the inner command center. So Billy has been exploratory of the command center before, 
you know, Alpha 5 became Dr. Frankenstein and Frankenstein's monster was the White Power Ranger. So, you know, we've explored a bit of the command center before, but this time <laughs> the Rangers come across this brand new command center. And bro, they were just like, all right, so we need a new set design because it's no longer called Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. It's called Power Rangers Zeo. What is the new set design? And everyone's like, well, Batman is really popular. Why not just make it more like the Batcave? And so Alpha 5 comes back on the scene. Everybody's like, oh my God, Alpha 5, you're alive. And I'm like, bro, he kind of he didn't say if he was Alpha 6. <laughs> because it's been alluded to in previous seasons. In the previous arc, I believe in uh, Mighty Morphin Alien Rangers, Alpha 5 kind of alluded to the fact that he'll just be reborn again as Alpha 6. Right, Kennedy? Mm-hmm. He did. Yeah, so uh, we get treated to a newly minted Alpha 5 and the introduction of essentially the Machine King basically saying, hey, I'm out to conquer this Earth. I can't wait. Yeah, we don't see the Ranger suits till part two, though. But the intro itself kind of spoils the design, too, which I found very interesting because, like, I could be, mista I could be mistaken, but anime of the 2010s kind of adopted the idea of not having a spoilerish introduction and just putting the intro song at actually the end of the first episode yes you are correct that that yeah i mean just from my anime experience yeah that that the first episode usually does not have the intro song yeah because they don't want to spoil yeah. that stuff but that's like a relatively new concept yep. in the world of television right yes uh would have been much more of a dramatic i like i said this is why i think the zeo serial should have been part one of a Zeo beginning because it ends with the revealing of the suit. And then you could start part two with the intro and then go over the whole entire Power Rangers plot line. But we start off with Zeo beginning part two and Alpha 5 begins to talk to the Power Rangers and the Rangers are wondering what's going on with Zordon. Yeah, but he's there. It's fine. <laughs> everybody it's like this I, big I wanted, fake out i was thinking about a different way to say it but then i wanted it to be that undramatic because that's how undramatic it is yeah because all the rangers are like <laughs> man i can't believe what happened to zordon and alpha five is like well yeah something definitely did happen to zordon and the rangers like oh dude can't believe it rest in peace and zordon pops up on the tube hello rangers yeah no because it literally, they do it over the episode split. And it's literally like, episode one ends with like, is Zordon okay? And Alpha's like, oh, Rangers. They don't even like keep up with like the drama of it when it gets to part two. They're just like, so what happened to Zordon? And Alpha's like, oh yeah, he's here. That's, that's essentially what <laughs> happens. And Zordon's got some new graphics. He doesn't look as massive as he did in Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Not sure if I like the new effect. But it just looks like another like digital effect over himself. I, and, I actually prefer the new effect. You prefer the new effect over the old one? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I don't him have talking. any I don't have anything to compare it to with the previous one, but I will say it was very jarring when I first saw it. I was like, what the if fuck you is thought this? That was there jarring, was a lot of effect on that, and I was very confused. <laughs> if you thought that was jarring, watch an episode of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, because it's even more <laughs> jarring there. I feel oh, like God. the lip movements in this one isn't as uh, distracting and annoying to watch as the old God. one. So I will say it's an improvement. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think the older one is a little more jarring. 
So I was fine with this. Honestly, I liked the explanation that Zordon and Alpha 5 had started to suspect that they would not, that they, like their existing set of tools and capabilities and all that would not be enough. And that like there, there would become a time either just fighting Zed and Rita or fighting someone worse where they needed more. And that they've See, been sort of scheming about this behind the scenes because we know that Zordon and Alpha 5 are always scheming anyway. So I right. thought this was like a great explanation of like, oh, they've been doing tons of scheming. And now we know actually like this makes sense of some of the weird shit we saw in the basement. I don't know. I liked it. Yeah. Zordon is definitely a rise and grind type of guy. He's like, what are weekends? I haven't had a weekend in seven years. 7,000 years. Right. And you know what? <laughs> I always got to be on the lookout. I always got to be on the lookout. I got to get that bread. Got to get that bread. Nine to five schedule? Well, actually, that doesn't it's not work swiveling. for me. It doesn't, it's in a tube, but. My man's works so hard, his head doesn't have to leave the tube. It's, it is kind of weird. Like, where do they make the time for this? That's my thought. Do they just do it when everyone's sleeping? I figure just when the, when the Rangers aren't there. You know, sometimes the Rangers are just like hanging out at the gym, pumping iron, and like they feel like everything is fine. What is Zordon and Alpha 5 up to then? Well, a lot of things, but this is one of them, you know? It, does Zed have a bedtime? What, Zed? Yeah. Zed sleeps once a year or something. This is covered in an episode. Right. But if that's the case, why doesn't he attack when the Power Rangers are sleeping? Because it's rude. Ah, right. <laughs> the Geneva this Conventions. Where, remember, at it again. This is where we get the Machine King probably will attack at night. It, it looks like he has. Meaner. He he looks like he has. Yeah, you're right. Actually, <laughs> he has because the next scene is is quite literally like the aliens invading. The Machine King's forces are starting to invade the Earth, and with that, it's been alluded to in the serial. But all that stuff happens at night in the serial as well. Damn, dude, the Machine King really is more evil. Can we just talk for a second about the Machine King's armies? Because yeah. I almost, I like had the most violent reaction ever to like the stop motion that those actors were trying to do to like show that they were like, you know, intimidating when really they were just like crouched up and down like two or three times. I just, I thought that was very, I liked that a lot. <laughs> so you remember teabagging in Halo, right? As a sign of dominance. It was actually originated in Power Rangers Zero. Wow. Wow. The more you know. <laughs> this is, this, these are the deep facts that the Sentai truthers know. It's that like everybody that else meme. out there. It's like that meme of like the, the, the girl copying off like the other girls like homework and it's like the teabagging and in, in, in that like looking over at, at this of like the, the machine guys are armies. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, it's just an evolution of the memes, much like uh, Wojak is an evolution of rage comics. The T pose origin uh, comes from the crouch hump, which has come from Halo, which came from Power Rangers. It's all a rabbit hole. The more you know. I do like the cogs overall. Yes, I like the aesthetic. I like the, the steampunky type aesthetic that they have for the, the villains. I will say that. Yeah, they're, they're kind of weird and goofy, but what, what like generic villain hasn't been so far <laughs> in the Power Rangers? Like the putties were very goofy. The tangas were very goofy. We have another goofy generic villain. That's not a surprise. That said, the cogs did seem like 
again, much like the Tangas, like like a relatively appropriate step up in power. So I appreciated that. You know, I'm obsessed with these things. I, I dig the villains this time around. I feel like the Machine King scenes are class antagonism. Like it's actually like class antagonistic views of rich people and specifically like rich people in power. Cause it, cause it you have the rich, you have the mm -hmm. rich asshole kid, you have the queen and the king, and they both talk about like just conquering and all this other stuff. Meanwhile, they're dressed like big babies. And they, they feel like they're dressed in, like, decadence and opulence and all that other stuff. And the way they address each other is very much like that. So I, I like it. I like it as a villain. Yeah. It's a good villain, for sure. It's a good also, villain introduction. I do but, think that the machine queen is a queen, though. I, I like her look and her, and her very, like, callous attitude towards her family. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I like also that the costumes for the machine queen and king are just extraordinarily elaborate oh yeah i was kind of impressed with the like mechanics of like what they did with that and like the costume department i was i was pretty impressed with that <laughs> yeah there are these parts that are just moving non-stop so many little details in these costumes i mean like a lot of the costumes that they brought over from the super sentai show have been impressive but these are some of the most impressive that we've seen i think they're like just really like I can't even imagine the amount of work that had to go into them to have that many moving components just like spinning all the time. Hey, you want to know why? I, that's what I was thinking too. I used to work in like costume uh, design in like college and I was just like, God damn, this took some like, like a group of people, like no sleep for like five weeks to make this. Like... Literally, literally. Japan had it going on though. Like the, the Japanese knew that CGI was not good enough yet. And so that they would they started going for practical effects. And Which you, is smart. you see that come off in the show. Like the best scenes in the show is when they use those like practical effects Absolutely. and costume design and set design to its maximum potential. Because like when we think back to all the best parts about Power Rangers and what Kennedy and I have seen so far, all that stuff used was like toys, stop motion toys, or people in costumes and stuff like that that are just going at it and it's so believable it it looks awesome it looks fucking awesome i love it and it it holds up far better than cgi at the time right like we were talking about beast morphers yeah. beast morphers had cgi that looked fucking terrible we then get treated to a scene where rito and goldar introduce themselves to bulk and skull and bulk and skull <laughs> have seen rito and goldar before i believe so they're already yeah. aware that these these creatures exist, but because they're amnesic, they don't know like what the fuck is going on. So they were asking Bulk and Skull if they can help them, you know, discover who they are and stuff like that. And Bulk and Skull freak out and uh, pass out in true '90s kids TV fashion. <laughs> Zordon then introduces the Machine King and the Machine King's crew to the Power Rangers, and the Rangers are like, "Damn, what are we gonna do?" If we were barely able to keep up with Zed's creatures and everything, how are we able to keep up with the Machine King and his stuff? And Zed is faced with the exact same dilemma as they try and make their way to Serpentera to get the fuck out of there and get yeah. all the way to Rita's father's place. Surprising struggle. <laughs> yeah, it is a surprising <laughs> struggle because they're carrying cardboard boxes 
I guess zero G doesn't affect aliens or alien items because they just walk on the moon like it's no big deal. Yet the very first episode of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers starts with astronauts opening up a relic, a mysterious um, Rita, relic Rita to unleash relic. To unleash are much Rita. heavier. They're right, much denser they're denser than humans. <laughs> well, see, they've been training on moon's gravitational pull, and so. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, could it help another Dragon Ball Z reference? Uh, wow. <laughs> so yeah, they're carrying like luggage and cardboard boxes just filled with their stuff at the same time dodging energy beams from starships right above them. And as they make their way to Serpentera, Rito and Goldar are awake this whole time while Bulk and Skull are taking a nice nap. And Rito gets his big brained idea to just lift up his arm and let the stench of his armpit wake up Bulk and Skull. <laughs> so Bulk and Skull wake up, and Goldar and Rita are like, listen, we've got nowhere to go. We have no idea where we could potentially stay. We don't know of any homeless shelters. We don't know where we are. Can you guys please help us? We'll do anything. And then Bulk and Skull get memories of a past life as their intergenerational damage that they've caused to society reawakens. And <laughs> Skull has this, like, creepy, rapey look on his face. And Bulk has the exploiter's look on his face yeah. where they're just like, oh, yeah, slave labor, baby. <laughs> it's like Scrooge McDuck. Yeah, total Scrooge McDuck looks on the both of them. Those skulls is distinctly more rapey looking. <laughs> I can't deny this. I want to. Yeah. It then cuts back to Zordon and the Rangers, and they're going over their options of what they can do. Zordon basically says, fret not, Rangers. The Zeo Crystal will activate new powers within you guys, and with that comes new suits that are much more powerful than the old ones. And Billy perfect timing, honestly, perfect timing. You couldn't ask for better timing for that. Like, <laughs> yeah. And, and Billy comes out and he's just like, guys, look, I know I'm wearing the blue shirt with the blue jeans and the blue apparel going on, but there's five subdivisions of the crystals or, and there's six of us here. And because I've spent the whole last arc of the last season being apparent to you guys, I've decided that parenthood is where I should stay while you kids go <laughs> sacrifice yourselves is, I, in the name of the greater exactly good. Wrong. You're not exactly wrong, but this is why you, Very this, why you don't like this. <laughs> this is why you don't like this intro, isn't it? No. You're, you're just salty. No, no, come on. Be be honest now. No, no, no. I, I, my, my main, well, like, I, I, as much I am, as much as I am a Billy Stan, let, let me get through this part, okay? So, so Tanya says, oh, Billy, don't worry. You can have my power. You can have the zeal power that would be given to me. And Billy's like, no, no, Tanya. It's okay. I want to give my zeal power to you. And it just goes to show, man, it's like automatically assumed that Billy is going to have the power. And that's because of white privilege. But, <laughs> but he flips it on its head and he then goes and says, Tanya, you can have the power. And that's from one LGBTQ member to an oppressed minority. And you know what that's called? That's called allyship, sweetie. Look it up. 
woke king. That's beautiful. I love that. Billy, truly, truly the woke king we need. Yes. And so we cut back to the Machine King and we get more introspection on like the Machine King's son and uh, I guess court jester. Is that right? Wait, the son or... Because the son, the son's a fucking weirdo. I hate the son. I want to punt. I want to punt the son very, very hard. Like I felt like I could punt him like a half. The son has clearly easily. been capturing small animals and skinning them alive and things Absolutely. of that nature. Machine King's son is just like the epitome of just like shitty sociopath raises a shittier sociopath. The Machine like, King can't understand why people keep saying his son is a part of the alt-right. Like he just can't understand it. He's like, oh, kids these days with these new words. Since you made, like, the Trump reference, it actually does kind of fit very well that, like, that's Baron, and that the queen who is, like, very, like, disengaged with, like, her family is Melania. Like, I, I, can, I can very much see that. It's a, it's, it's, it's a prediction, folks. I want to see where the Machine King goes from here. Like I said, he's way more outwardly imperialistic than I would say that he's like a, a Trumpian type of figure. But who knows? He definitely has a lot of room to expand on. I think that the the serial gave him more characterization as like a a person who thinks things through, at least, right? Sure. Who has like overt plans and stuff like that. The serial was very much more serious in tone than the the zeo beginnings yeah a lot more serious weirdly serious so uh, the machine king does also have his loyal footman clank and orbis and that's who you were referring to earlier and there is a dynamic that's sort of revealed here that like i think is hopefully going to prove really fruitful which is that the machine king's son as i have been hinting is a budding serial killer and so he's like, Dad, let's do genocide. Dad, quick, let's do some genocide. And, and, and the Machine King's like, whatever you want, my son. And then the Machine King's advisors are like, actually, we should do a controlled genocide in stages. Means um, tested genocide. You know, and, and the Machine King is like, bah, we'll do whatever my crazy son says instead. <laughs> and I think that's setting up for like an interesting dynamic that like, could help to also explain, okay, here's this really obviously powerful evil guy. What's going to undermine his plans? Well, one of the things that's going to undermine his plans is probably going to be his dumbass son insisting that they light every person on fire individually and stand there watching them burn to death individually <laughs> rather than get out of there, you know, with the, with the loot or whatever. It's just not time efficient. That's like our biggest critique of the genocide. <laughs> 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 well uh, that's the thing is like it's not like the people contradicting the sun are good people they're just not like complete psychopaths they're more like practical you know <laughs> they're practical they're practical sociopaths instead <laughs> i thought though the most interesting thing about all of this is that so the machine king sends his cogs down the mm -hmm. power rangers pretty quickly defeat them with their new powers and the Machine King, rather than, like, Rita and Zed were both, like, very incel mentality and, like, constantly <laughs> whining about their losses. It's not fair. I deserve a wife. That kind of stuff. Like, the Machine King is like, he's like, ah, a worthy opponent and gets, like, 
a boner. <laughs> like completely different a complete it's like a completely different mentality i thought that was really interesting and like a very i don't know i thought it was like a good change of pace because it's like we've had these villains that are constantly whining about why they can't do it or this or that and here's a villain who the first time you beat him doesn't start whining he's just like all right okay yeah we'll see we'll see not gonna lie the machine king gives me straight roger ales vibes <laughs> the it next... definitely gives a different impression because you start to get this impression after a while of Rita and Zed like have these two even conquered anything in a long time <laughs> like <laughs> like what's going on here you know whereas the machine king it's like your impression right away is that this dude is conquering stuff non-stop and this is the first speed bump he's had in ages Machine King is like United States imperialism and uh, Rita and Zed are like British imperialism. Like it's been a while. <laughs> yes, that's a good analogy right there. That actually makes total sense too when you think about it because Rita and Zed still have all these resources they can exploit like Jamaica and Canada. But, <laughs> you know, it's still not as actively violent uh, unlike what's happening in Afghanistan, the machine, what the machine king is doing in Afghanistan. I'm sorry, was that unclear? What the machine king is doing in Afghanistan. That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> no, I got it. <laughs> and then we cut to Zordon unleashing the five subdivisions of the Zeo Crystal and giving our new rangers the new suits. What did you guys think about the new suits? Amazing. Like, Bad. I don't have a ton of reference, but I thought they looked pretty, pretty styling. So I've got two critiques of the suits. I want to say that I like it a lot. I like the design of them, but I feel like that I have two issues with them. Okay. One, the pink logo, which is like an oval and the yellow equal sign. Maybe I could get down with a little bit of the, the yellow equal sign, but for sure, the pink oval just looks bad. It almost looks like a, a helmet in Halo that saw no play. It's like, ah, yes, you unlocked this helmet in Halo 3 for online for getting this achievement. And you're like, okay, great, thanks. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not going to fight you over the helmets because those two helmets are kind of like relatively weak. But I think overall... The suits are really rad because of the, like, baroqueness. The crazy, like, I don't know, almost like Byzantine-type patterning. You know, like, that really... It's like some Versace uh, Power Rangers this season. <laughs> like, oh, dude, they're fucking... They're, the rest of the outfit? Pog, dude. They're dripped in gold. I love it. It's, it's, they it's got their accessories drip. down packed, brother. This is the, the Power Rangers suit that you wear to the club. You know, the other ones maybe <laughs> you wear to like, you know, to dinner at your mom's house or something more professional. But these ones, no, this is like, this is maximum cool points yeah. with this suit. I'm yeah. into it. <laughs> they're totally, they're totally dripped in gold, dude. I love it. It's, it's great. You could tell they cut the budget when they made the American suits because it seems more solid in the Japanese Sentai footage. And then when you cut to the American one, it seems like more like fluffy, kind of like cottony almost. Uh, 
the plastic of the helmets looks a little di noticeably different. Not yes. to like really pick it apart. But. So <laughs> that's my main complaint about the suit, actually, is the fact that the mouthpieces don't have that gray area. I feel like if it had the accented gray area around the mouth, it would look so much better. You have to have those kissable lips. Yeah, they don't look soft and sensual. Like the overfilled, like like overfilled Instagram model lips. Like it's, it's a little bit too hard. Like they look like ninety nine cent plastic masks that you cop at the dollar at the dollar tree. And you know what? They very hard? well could have been. Yeah, like it, it honestly seems like it. But we cut into the next big fight where uh, the Machine King unleashes yes. his soldiers onto the earth. The Zero Warriors team up. They transform. The transformation sequence is different this time around. How do I put this? I like the old one better. <laughs> I like the Morphers in Mighty Morphin better than the Zeo ones. The Zeo ones look a, a little complicated. You need two of them. You need two of them, and they, you do this, like, really cool arm pose, but they have to, like, interlock. It activates. I don't know what that orange piece is on the Morpher. It just seems way more complicated. The effects aren't this satisfying. What do you think? This is um, stuff that's relevant to Power Rangers, by the way, Babs. I know it seems like kind of like, oh, this yeah, seems like, like a minute detail, but like every season has a different transformation sequence. Reminded me like of like a masculine, like I wanted like more of like, you know, in like anime when it's like, when it's like magical girls kind of like do something like that. I wanted, I wanted more pizzazz. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like Mighty Morphin, especially towards the end, had more pizzazz than the the Zeo ones. Yeah, they were posing a lot at the end of Mighty Morphin. Yeah, what, they were going hard in the hard in the paint with those poses, brother. <laughs> I kind of like the new Morpher design somewhat. It felt a little weirder in a way that I kind of like. Like it felt a little like something out of like David Lynch's Dune or something. Like it was just a very odd looking device. <laughs> I am with it. I'm just going to say it, all right? I know we're all thinking it. I'm just going to say it. The more the Rangers do the ninjutsu hand signs or in the arm movements and say shit, the more I'm into it. Yeah. The less they do of that stuff without the, the over-exaggerated the over, uh, yelling, the less I'm hyped about it. <laughs> well, it's weird if it's just like kind of a dull thing like this is supposed to be like the biggest thing that's why like give me some fucking drama like come on like it's 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 like you're you're giving me nothing here sweetie like come on <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's fair and we skip over to the fight scene which this fight scene it's a typical kind of like a putty fight in the seasons one through three and the, the Tanga fights, I guess, in season three as well. But the song. I loathe the song that plays. It's, it's like, it's basically like, yeah, we're back. But the way the song plays out over the fight scene makes it almost comedic and sad. Because it sounds like the song was made in the Kids Bop studio. And when it's played over this fight scene, it just, I don't know, it detracts from the fight scene overall. You yeah. guys didn't think so? I, mean, I kind of agree. I like like saying it. I think puts makes me think about it more. But like that wasn't my initial reaction. But like I can yeah. I, I your point. It's kind of how I'm feeling now that you say it. It does seem like it was a little off. Kennedy, we've watched over sixty episodes of Power Rangers at this point. <laughs> if you're not hearing the heavy guitars, uh, I had a 
good time with this stuff more so than you did. I don't know. I thought the Zio prologue was more palatable to me. This was like, what if Billy Ray Cyrus did a Power Rangers song <laughs> with a $100 budget? Oh, don't you dare tempt me with that. That would be incredible. With a $100 budget? Mwah, I love. I want that now. I now want. Like, I wonder if I get, if he's on like that, that thing where you can pay celebrities to like, like say stuff like for you. I wonder if he's on that and I can have him do that for $100. <laughs> so in this fight scene, they use more CGI, but because it's not overdone in CGI, the effects that they use really accent the fight scenes. And I think, yeah. I think this is purely Japanese footage. I don't think that they included American CGI effects to any of this, if I remember correctly. And so, man, dude, what Japan uses CGI, the little touches of CGI work really well. Like how they do the whole Power Rangers kick for Zeo Ranger 5, the Red Ranger. Mm-hmm. And they add that little bit of gusto with the red flare effect around his kick when he does it in the air. That shit's cool. I like it. And when he kicks the, when they, when they start beating up on the, the cyborgs, the cyborgs, like parts of their armor will like light up and like electricity will start to come out of it and stuff like that. Just the, just the little touches. They make all the difference, man. It feels way more impactful that way. It's almost like a game design 101, right? You feel more I mean, powerful as a player when you see the enemy visibly putting out visual effects that they're getting hurt versus like, hey, they're, it just looks like you push them to the ground or something. In from like Weeb World, like where I spend most of my time consuming media is like, yeah, like most things in like Japanese, like, I mean, at least anime and like other Japanese stuff, it's very much like you see the impact like done through colors and visuals. And so, yeah, that did feel like a little bland. But this yeah. is, but this is live action. Yeah, but even in some in like in like some like uh, like uh, live live animes that they've done, which are usually fails, like they'll still kind of do little effects like that. Yeah, and like so, some live actions. So like the comparison would be like Super Sentai versus Common Rider here, and I could tell you, speaking from like having watched a bit of '90s Common Rider as a kid, I used to watch Masked Rider. I actually got into Masked Rider before I got into Power Rangers, Kennedy. I could tell you right now, this was as good as it gets for CGI and live action scenes from 90s television, 90s Japanese television. <laughs> like they yeah. spent, like they, they basically, the way they blew their budget was so in America, when we, in, where we were doing like our movies and shit, like when it came to effects, it started becoming like 90% CGI and like 10% practical. And they're like, well, how, how much can we get away with that the audiences will just eat, right? And then for Japan, they were like, oh, no, it's the opposite. It's like 90% practical, 10% CGI. It still shows to this day. Like, you'll have, like, Kamen Rider series that came out in, like, 2009. And the CGI from that, you would swear, could have been seen in, what is it, 1999's Blade? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it, yes. it's very yes. much like that. Um, so I'm going to give them credit where credit's due on that stuff. The Power Rangers basically end the fight, beating up the robots, and they're like, yeah, we're back. And the show and the song goes, yeah, we're back. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, guys, the Power Rangers, they've been away for a little bit, and they're back better than ever. And they, they do the group pose, the, the cyborgs run away, get teleported out of there, and they're like, yes, we've done it. 
ha! And they do a sig heil, and it cuts back to the <laughs> machine. <laughs> <laughs> it cuts um, back to the machine king, and the machine king is like, oh, it looks like we might have some opposition. How yeah. Quaint. And so they're starting to pile up their forces for a full fledged invasion, it seems like. Rito um, and Goldar are now slaves to Bulk and Skull. It, they're still in Skull's house, right? Like, they're still in Skull's I, garage. It has to be. Because they're on lawn chairs, and Bulk, you know Bulk in the back of his I mean, head no, is going I know like, that they I have are way better furniture garage. in my house. I'm, just, I'm refusing to admit who that garage belongs to. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You could just tell in the back of Skull's head, he, or in the back of Bulk's head, he's just like, you know, I have better lawn chairs in my house. <laughs> Should just bring them over there instead. Have a real yard at my house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the Rangers sit in for a luncheon for a group team meeting, and with their new colors means new outfits. And gotta say, Tommy and Red, I don't understand why they couldn't do these colors the last season. Yeah, time. It's I about feel like time. Rocky as a Blue Ranger, although as much as we shit on Rocky. I feel like it's he has fine. more opportunities now in the TV show in terms of like dialogue and shit as a blue ranger than he does as the red ranger. Yeah, it's fine. It's good even. He's also got a new haircut. He's look, he, looks more, uh, he looks more preppy. The rest of the rangers, they're also um, in their polos and their button downs, except Tommy, you know, he's from the country. Yeah, he doesn't roll like that. Yeah, he, he's um, got his Ford <laughs> F-150 in the back, brother. <laughs> I just want to draw attention to one more thing because this is actually very interesting from a lore perspective. We've been trying to figure out where does a Zord come from? <laughs> the answer is anywhere, actually. And that's actually kind of an interesting answer. One of the things that's revealed at the very end is Billy talking about the possibility of developing his own Zords, like effectively following in the footsteps of Ninja and Zordon. He's going to be the first human to make a Zord. Maybe. That'd be really cool. I like that. And not only that, but everyone's wearing a color. And guess what color Billy's wearing? What color? It's black. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows, knows? what will happen? Who knows? What anything could happen, right? I will also say there's another. So there's a couple of things that I forgot to mention. Some of it's a little bit spoilery, but I kind of want to get into something here. So the powers, the way they work. And can you morph without, like, having the coins? For Billy, he specifically says, he says that he can assume the Zeo power. So it's okay that he's given the power for now to Tanya. So he says, if worst comes to worst, I can assume the Zeo power. So he can be the Yellow Ranger if he wanted to. I, I assume... And I'm guessing it's I, because the Zeo crystal chose him? No, I assumed it was just kind of a thing of, like, I'm trained and capable of, like, handling this power. Like, if, if you needed someone to sub into the team. Okay. Because it, it more or less seemed like he can just transform if he wanted to. But I could I mean, be wrong. I think, he could, I think he could just probably pick up any of the Zeomorphers and transform. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. That's a good lore reason. Another thing that I wanted to add. So I've been on the, the Power Rangers subreddit recently. And there was a thread where it's like conspiracy theories of, uh, that you have for the Power Rangers. And I was like, oh boy, Kennedy would have a ball with this one. But 
I wanted to to talk about before we like go into like the 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 intro reviews. I wanted to talk about this thread because it had some very interesting theories. One of which was that Tommy caused a time paradox when he let his clone live in the 1800s. That's that's a fact. And not only the Power that, Rangers have caused multiple time paradoxes by now, though. And not only that, but his clone fucked a Native American woman. Oh. And that's what <laughs> caught that's why Tommy's heritage quest is Native American. It's because of what his clone did. Yes. So he made him he was originally white, and then he made himself Native American retroactively through a time paradox. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. <laughs> so basically we're in a timeline where it's the second run through of this timeline. The first run through was Tommy leaving the clone and now he has therefore due to the Zeo quest and everything, he's therefore living in the second timeline. Someone tell Elizabeth Warren I figured out how to solve her problems. <laughs> but yeah, I think that the the Zeo powers and stuff like the fact that Billy was able to assume the Zeo power like that I think that's a good theory on at least some of the way the power, the morphing grid and the powers work. Especially because of the things that we've seen Alpha do with the morphing grid, grid that are really weird. I would think of it as like the morphing grid is something kind of like, you know, any, any fantasy books kind of idyllic pr presentation of magic. Where it's like, it's this force that once you learn how to feel it, like you always feel it and you can always use it. I think there's like an aspect of that to the morphing grid. I think that like Billy now just like he can feel the morphing grid. He can tap into its power. He doesn't even necessarily have to become a power ranger, you know, like he, he can now make Zords potentially, which is another way of tapping into that power, you know? So hmm. I don't know. That's really cool. I'm not going to lie. Like this gets me hyped for, for Billy. So more Billy. One last thing before we get into our, our overall reviews would have to be Tanya. For an introductory episode into Tanya's character as an adult, which, by the way, I don't think we ever discussed this, but Tanya lost 10 years of her life. Yeah. When Tanya met Aisha, they were both kids. They were both like 12-year-old kids, maybe, or something, right? I think uh, Aisha was actually younger than Tanya. And then Tanya comes back to, goes through, a, like, essentially a, a time portal into present-day Angel Grove, and then everyone goes back to being an adult, or I guess a teenager, I suppose. But Tanya realistically lost years off of her life. <laughs> well, I thought she just, I thought she was just already their age. Like, she was the age that a Power Ranger should be, Tanya was. And Aisha was a kid, right? No, Tanya, or did they, they changed the actress. Okay, well. Tanya was a kid. And she lost her entire like she lost her childhood. <laughs> she lost her childhood in preteen years and all the way up until her late teens. Damn. Yeah. She was like, it's better than living in this desolate African village, I guess. Like, I don't know. I don't know what the rationale was behind her to making that decision. That's probably the neoliberal take on it, I would assume. Everybody's just A-OK -okay with this because, A, as long as she's not living in a desolate African community, she's <laughs> like, instead living in America, you know, the best, like, the best place for African-Americans. I'm just trying to say, like, they, they did not present that African village as a pleasant place to be. No, like, you're a thousand percent right. Um, <laughs> just in terms of how they presented it. Like, it was very not good. In fact, I don't know why Aisha stayed there. <laughs> 
Well, that's Aisha's family. <laughs> that was the main yeah. thing. And she yeah. knew that she could help and do the right thing, which is why she was I know. selected she was to be a ranger moral. instead we of you, Kennedy. Yes. I, I'm not moral enough to be a power ranger. <laughs> I would be I would be I would be a, a grifter, you know, working for Zed probably. Making clay monsters. I don't know. But I digress. What were you guys' thoughts on Tanya for these two episodes? I mean, I don't really know a ton about like her previously, but like I thought she was. This is and... this is legitimately all we know about her so far. Oh, okay. I didn't like, know if there was like some like we, other backstory. We know I that mean, tiny bit, but yeah. Okay, yeah, but like I mean, it seems pretty, you know, like a a good thing. I hope that they build more upon it, but you know, because it it didn't seem like quite enough information for me. Like I still felt kind of confused about like what was going on with her. So, but that's just me. I think that's fair. It's a fair assessment. Yeah, I think that they still haven't really displayed much about Tanya other than, like, they have kind of demonstrated some things about her character that seem really promising, like, in terms of she seems like she might bring, like, a really level-headed, solidly moral voice to the team. But that's about all I can say so far. And that even that's kind of a guess. I think we're kind of glossing over some facts here. Okay. When we're judging Tanya Kennedy, because go for it, Aisha. So Aisha gave Tanya the power, basically said, yes. "Hey, you go take the Zeo Crystal back." This was Aisha's heritage quest. Yet yes. it was assumed that Billy would have the power instead of Tanya. Yet Aisha chose Tanya. See what I'm saying? And then on top of that, Tanya was apologetic there, about getting the power. No, there is an assumptiveness. I actually, I was maybe going to touch on this when you brought it up before, but there was an assumptiveness because it would have been different if they had just all gotten together and said, hey, there's six of us. There's five crystals. What do we do? Right? Yeah. Like, oh, I see. If, if, okay. it had, if it had been presented like that, it would have been a little different. But Billy automatically stepped forward and was like, <laughs> I'm abdicating my power. And everyone's like, okay, that's fine, I guess. Wasn't really your decision. Well, no, but... everybody everybody else also thought that Billy was going to have the power. Because they were all like, oh, no, Billy, you're not? Well, they were, I, no, they were, especially saying, with the meeting at the end. I'm not saying that they're shocked, not shocked, and like that, they're, that some of them aren't also being kind of assumptive about it. There is a weirdness to it. There's a real weirdness to it. Because like you say, Aisha specifically did choose tanya to give the power to like that's not a question yeah so it was so. a very interesting like introduction for t adult tanya essentially I i'm curious of what they're going to do with that char character she does seem promising like i said though too she also was apologetic for it you know yeah and i guess that that also kind of placates to the race dynamics of the show i feel like at least oh definitely yeah. i mean like Let's be real. Like, they've done okay-ish at times with, like, having at least a tiny bit of Black representation that isn't terrible. But, like, overall, come on. I mean, it like, was, yeah. I mean, also, like, I'm going to say, like, a children's TV show in, like, 1997 or 6, probably not the best time for representation. <laughs> what are you talking about? We're going we're gonna to diversify our way to a multicultural, utopian, liberal <laughs> society. 
<laughs> I mean, that's what this is for sure on a lot of levels with like every character that's not white. It's it's the very neoliberal like there's a place for you and that place is like outside or whatever, you know? Right. <laughs> And, you know, like I, I don't like I said, I um I, I don't mean to like like I'm well aware, right, that this was an American made television show. There's gonna be racist undertones underneath it all. I wouldn't mention it if it wasn't the way it played out of how Tanya got her power wasn't was was a big thing for the for these two episodes. Between Agreed. Billy giving up the power, Tanya taking it, and then the second meeting with Billy. Like, it was a point to be made that it was, this, for some reason, the rest of the Rangers assumed that Billy would be getting the fifth power instead of Tanya, even though Aisha was the one that picked Tanya. And arguably, if someone would be kicked out, it should be it Rocky. It would be Tommy. Oh, well. By, like, just by the logic, right? Yeah. Tommy, uh, you're not an original Ranger. Who, yeah, like, you're not an original Ranger, and you aren't, like, inheriting your original color right now you're just assuming the role of the red ranger because zordon is saying so or whatever yeah i don't know there was definitely something there with that <laughs> i this was like you say you expect these undertones but this was maybe the worst like the iffiest feeling like this is really this is really written from a, a sort of imperialist perspective on race yeah yeah, it's very apparent in these two episodes, and you kind of get the dichotomy of it, right? Oh, this is like imperial imperialist views on race from like a supposed good standpoint, right? Like them at their best. And then here is the villain that's imperialist on race and stuff at their worst in the villain, right? In the Machine King and stuff like that. It's, it's really weird, the dichotomy of the two. Kennedy, you know how I feel about some of this stuff. Do you want me to go first on the ratings, or should you? I'll be brave. I'll go first. Okay. Uh, I thought overall, including the Z the the serials, the serials, if you will, the intro to Zio is a high six or a low seven, and I think it's a little bit better than the intro to season three, and a fair bit better than the intro to season two. And one of the main reasons why is that even though it does drag in some places, it doesn't drag on nearly as not long. Ninja Quest is five episodes, and let me tell you something. It was hard to like enjoy parts of it. It was actually at all. four, but okay. Or was it Go four? Off King, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> it felt like forever. Okay, I can't remember. You're fine. Um, <laughs> it was four episodes. Okay. It felt like forever. Mm -hmm. I was bored during large portions of it. I was not bored that much here, and I just generally, I just generally had a good time. Babs? I'm probably going to agree. Like I said, I don't have a ton of frame of reference, but I will agree. I was a little bit lost and just like a little bit dull in some lines, but I found like some parts like very cute and kind of like kitschy in like a very enjoyable way. So I'd give like a 6.5 or a 7. Okay. okay. So <laughs> then we get to the overly critical one. Uh, so I got to say... <laughs> Before we recorded this episode, I was at a five overall. It would be a high five overall. I think after we've discussed some of the plot points and stuff like that, uh, and I really got to thinking it over, I'm at a low six. I think a zeal beginning one and two is kind of stinky. Like, I, I think that it's overall a five out of ten, and the zeal serial is a seven. The parts that dragged for me were constant reminders of season two. Because when season two was bad, it had a very distinct writing 
to it when season two was bad. I'm not happy that Rito and Goldar are again going to be Bulk and Skull, but instead of them being Bulk and Skull, it's now doubled in comedic relief, right? Because now you're having scenes of Rito and Goldar being comedic relief to the two comedic relief characters. And so I'm not excited for that. I am excited for the Machine King and how the Machine King's villain stuff expands. Zed stuff's kind of cool, like him going to Master Val, if that's for the full season, sure, I'm cool with it. I did not like the music choices for the fight scenes. I I really did not. I didn't like this whole, yeah, guys, we're back type of writing style. It's like, yeah, uh, yeah we get it. <laughs> I think that the the serial, they could have, you could cut up a Zeo beginning part one and the serial and put it together and make it a really awesome, like 30 minute episode of TV. Yeah. Because I feel like beginning, I think beginning one, part one and part two because they dragged on on a couple of scenes legit i didn't even know they were done i i got finished with zeo beginning part two and i was like wait that was it oh okay because we didn't have a zord fight like we typically do and all this other stuff no zord fight was a poor choice i'll give you that for sure i i will say though at the end of this i'm gonna give it a straight six out of ten i think the serial was better than i thought it would be and Azio beginning just dragged on a little bit too much. But uh, yeah, that's where we're going to yeah. leave it. Babs, what would you like to plug? Um, you can find more of me uh, on uh, the lovely website, twitter.com, at cowgirlbebop. Uh, you can also check me out at my podcast, uh, Radio Free Labor, where we, uh, it's uh, very, we just do politics. It's nothing fun like this, but um, it's, it's pretty fun and enjoyable, and uh, you should check it out. Hell awesome. yeah. Babs. I thank you guys thank for you. having me. This was this was this was a lot more fun than, than I was expecting, just because especially it's great to talk about something that's not just like the horrible hell world that we're in. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. That's why we made this <laughs> Very podcast. Nice break. <laughs> Rangers, thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to rate our podcast five stars on iTunes and Stitcher. Subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to them. And as always, you can find Kennedy and I on Twitter. I am at Gravcast, and Kennedy is at Kennedy T. Cooper. Stay safe, Rangers, and may the power protect you.